This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente. El doctor ya te puede ver. Verá que aunque eres muy activo, ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal. Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida. Próxima ventanilla. Verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar. <risa> y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 508. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And joining us this week is the love of my life, Mark. Um, He would not. Well, the reason I say that is because the only reason he would be up this early on a Saturday would be to do this for us. So thank you for being here, Mark. Oh, sure. Glad to have you back. Anytime. So now, kind of pivoting from. That very sweet intro, you actually had a clapback for Andrew. Yes, I did. Oh, jeez. So last episode, I think it was either last episode or two episodes ago, you guys were talking about Captain Marvel and why Marvel has been waiting so long to have a Captain Marvel movie, where that like that sentiment is isn't unreasonable like i it, i understand why it would seem that way but the problem with marvel not just as a movie company but with a with a with a comic company is <clears throat> most most of their big heroes just by nature of being made in the 70s or the you know early 80s were men so they had they had to like work to integrate strong women characters into their comics as things changed. So you're kind of seeing that mirrored in the movies where it's like, all right, you have Iron Man, you have Captain America, but like, I guess we can talk about spoilers about Infinity War because that movie was forever ago. Yeah. yeah, no, if you haven't seen that at this point, this is your fault. At the end when everybody's getting, you know, dusted literally. And uh, Nick Fury calls Captain Marvel. Like the fact that he calls Captain Marvel is a huge deal because through like, However many of these movies we've seen so far, Thanos has been like the big bad guy behind every movie. Like Avengers 1, you've seen Thanos. Avengers 2, you've seen Thanos. Like all these other random movies, he's in the background kind of lurking. So he's like the Marvel's established big bad. And Infinity War was his time to finally like flex his bad guy muscle. And the fact that Marvel Universe's answer to that is Captain Marvel is a big deal because you're basically saying, yeah, the big bad person that's been orchestrating everything this entire time, we're calling in a woman, a really powerful, strong woman character to help stop it. Like he, he was the, she was the Hail Mary play basically. That's a good point. Okay. I stand corrected. However, I just felt like nobody knows Captain Marvel. Yeah. So it was, 
surprising that they would include her. If it was if it was Captain Susan, <laughs> she wouldn't have gotten her own solo movie because everybody would be like, Captain Susan, who the hell is that? I don't care about that. But it's Captain yeah, The funny thing is, is I assume people have seen um, trailers for Shazam, DC Shazam already. Yeah. Kid. Mm-hmm. So a Really, in the past, when Marvel and DC were like neck and neck in comics, that guy was Captain Marvel. And DC did that, made him Captain Marvel, and created that character just so Marvel couldn't have a Captain Marvel. Interesting. So, after wow. a while, after the whole, you know, the, you know, their, their, I guess their, their copyright ran out or something, then finally, Marvel got to make Carol Danvers. What's this other note you two have here? Or Mark has here? <laughs> we we discovered a weird habit last night. Mark, you can talk about it. So I usually get on to Laura when I talk about something in length. At first, she would kind of just like, I could see the life leaving her eyes as she kind of When you like, ramble? Yeah, like she just was like, okay, whatever. I'm done listening to this. So I kind of called her out on it. So now what she'll do is if I'm talking about something, if I like pass the five minute mark, she'll just (laughs) take my hand and like kiss it. And that's it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that is hilarious. And I was like, why are you? And at first I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe she's just like a one off thing. And then I thought about it and she does it every time. And even when I called her out on it last night, I'd be talking about something and like, I'd see her reaching for my hand and I'm like, ah, see, you're going to do it again. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. Laura, how long have you been doing this? I don't know. I, it's, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize it was a thing. Like I knew I did it, but it wasn't a conscious thing where I was like, oh, he's talking now. Let me do this. And I think it was in direct response to the fact that we had previously had a conversation where he was like, sometimes when I'm talking for a really long time about something, you like, I lose you, like you zone out. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't like, maybe that was my subconscious reaction to be like, okay, I'm going to show that I'm engaged with what he's talking about. So that's a thing. But what you're really saying is, please stop talking. I've heard enough. Yep, basically. No, no. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. (laughs) You know, it's interesting with Mark. When you two visited, Mark is very quiet most of the time. But when he gets talking, he gets talking. And I think I brought that up to Pat after you two visited. I was like, wow, Mark is so interesting. Because one moment, he'll he'll be silent for like a half hour. And then he'll suddenly spring to life on a topic for like 20 minutes. I like to take things in. (laughs) yeah he's he's a he's a patient observer i see yeah yeah mark um i wanted to mention to you since you are our video game correspondent nintendo announced super mario maker 2 they released super mario maker originally for wii u i fell in love with it you make your own side scrolling mario levels it was so much fun i had been praying that they would port it to Nintendo Switch, as they have done for a bunch of Wii U games. They didn't, they're not just porting it. They're doing a whole sequel. It looks like a massive uh, sequel. There's a lot of new stuff in it. Are you excited for this game like I am? Oh, yeah. Like, I um, I actually watched that Direct, the Nintendo Direct, uh, where they announced that and a bunch of other games in class, which, you know, I shouldn't have done, but, you know, I got to be, right. got to be up on the news. And it was a video game making class, so I feel like the teacher would understand, you know, Oh, totally. You you were probably one of like 30 people in that classroom watching. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw the person in front of me watching it as well. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, that looks really cool. I 
a lot of my friends, when we get together, we'll we'll play or we when it when Mario Maker was more like in its prime and it was like you know more popular, we would just go over and get drunk and try to do like the internet challenge levels. You know, you can like upload levels to like the challenge yeah. board. We would just get that drunk and try to do those, part. and that was really hard. But it was still fun. It was fun playing with everyone. So I'm just going to do that again now with more of them. I got really frustrated with the online play though because people would make bonkers levels. Yeah. Some levels you would just move your Mario one foot forward, and he would move across the rest of the course by itself. Mm-hmm. That's how people set up the courses, and that was frustrating because I actually want to play. Yeah, I saw. So I'm hoping. Oh, I, I saw one level where somebody made a queen song like it was like don't stop me now but (laughs) with the you know like the little musical note blocks yeah so they would make it so as you're running across the level it's doing the song so it's like the that's incredible like the whole time which is pretty cool yeah that was pretty cool yeah also people came up with some crazy stuff and i imagine they're nintendo is setting it up so you can get even more creative oh yeah also they're remaking a uh, one of the Legend of Zelda games, which looks great. It's like a little top-down adventure, and then they're putting that on the Switch too. Yeah, we're really excited about that. Laura, what are you excited about this week? Um, well, it's really funny because we're getting ready to talk about three people who are having really bad weekends. Um, I, <laughs> I was very excited because on Friday, um, Robert Mueller had a filing deadline on Paul Manafort. Uh, basically, in terms of laying out the whole case against Manafort and providing a recommendation for what sort of sentence he should serve. And what I love about this is the Manhattan DA's office is already preparing a criminal case against Manafort in the event that Trump tries to pardon him. Yeah. Um, And just as a reminder for folks at home, Manafort has already been convicted on eight financial-related charges, and he pleaded guilty to charges of conspiracy against the U.S. by witness tampering last year. And the the thing that's sort of making this really exciting is that Mueller's filing could reveal new information about the Russia probe, which is allegedly nearing an end. We've been hearing in the headlines that it could be over as soon as next week. Whether or not that means that we're actually going to see anything remains to be scene. But a Mueller prosecutor did say earlier this month that Manafort's August of 2016 meeting with Konstantin Kilimanik goes to the, quote, heart of the Russia probe. So we could potentially be getting some bombshell information here. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's nice to know that Manafort's still going to get fucked in New York. Yes. If Trump gives them that pardon. Yeah. And as of this point, even though the filing deadline was midnight on Friday, um, that report is still not available to the public. So we don't know what's in it. So other people who are having a bad week, it's been quite the week for Chicago. (laughs) We've been touching on Jesse Smollett and his case is uh, getting worse and worse for him. So since the last time we spoke about it, he was named a suspect, then he was arrested, then he posted bail, and that same day he returned to the set of Empire, which is hilarious to me. Like, how do you walk onto the set after all of these allegations? We also found out that a homophobic and racist letter that he had received uh, at the Chicago set of Empire was written and sent by Jesse himself in advance of the attack. We found out Police allege he paid his attackers 3500 to carry it out. 
He wrote them a personal check to do this. Dude, if you're <laughs> if you're setting something up like this, you pay cash. Come the fuck on. Everybody knows that. Like, so obviously this is really bad, you know, and like this is really terrible. But like the fact that he wrote a personal check is some Scooby-Doo villain shit. Like that is yeah. like the old man Jenkins from Scooby-Doo. That's how they catch him. Like a bunch of teenagers just caught you because you wrote a personal check. Like that is right. that is straight up amateur hour right there. Yeah, yeah. And for somebody who was disappointed in his salary, throwing away $3,500 <laughs> on a half-baked cry. Like that's more than most people make in a month. Totally. But I also don't understand how he thought all of this was going to amount in more money. Like, I don't think that basically what he's saying is that by threatening his own life, they would put more value on his life. But value on life does not equal value of talent. No, I think it would have made him more of a household name. Mm. More people would know him. And then he could negotiate a higher salary because he'd be like, hey, mm. I'm the guy who had the hate crime against me. I deserve more to be on the show. People are going to tune in to see how I'm handling myself. Isn't he? Doesn't he have a, <laughs> an album or something coming out? That too. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, first week in March. Although, is that still going to happen? We'll see. He is losing his job on Empire. He was suspended from the filming of the final two episodes of season five. I saw a report last night. TV Line is reporting that Fox is considering recasting his character. So it seems like they are pretty convinced by the case that Chicago police are making. Overall, really sad situation that he felt the need to make this up. This this sets back the uh, gay rights movement. This sets back um, believing victims. Uh, he's lost the respect of the gay community. He, I think, I don't want to speak for them, but I think uh, he's lost the respect of the African-American community. Um, I don't see how anybody could like this guy anymore. He, he'll never be able to walk into like a gay bar again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess speaking of the black community, maybe we could pivot to Mark for a second here. Like you and I were talking about this case last night, and I'm just curious to hear what your take is on this. Yeah, I like, and that's the thing, like, of course, anybody who lies about something like that is like terrible because like there are countless instances where this does happen like i wouldn't say it's as elaborate as the you know situation that he fabricated but like the more people do stuff like this the more when actual you know hate crimes or racist things happen and they don't even have because like we talked about this way back when with the uh the charlottesville thing mm -hmm. and the main thing is like, i don't like i'm not too terrified of like the super old guy in like the North Georgia mountains that's super racist and you know is part of a lynch mob because like you can't comfortably do stuff like that anymore. Like you can't, they can't walk through the city of Atlanta, you know, chasing down black people and lynching them. But what I am afraid of is the more subtle racism because that's going to affect me more. Like if I walk into a a job interview and they're like, and it's a job I really need. And I really, I'm really qualified for that job. And they just don't hire me because I'm black and the manager is racist that that impacts me more, but we're never going to get to the heart of that. If stuff like this keeps on happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Jesse is still denying that these allegations are true. I think at this point he needs to come out and apologize to try and get back any 
ounce of respect. He needs to at least acknowledge, if this is true, that he made a huge mistake. He can't continue denying this. Also in Chicago this week, R. Kelly has been charged with sexually abusing four victims, including three underage girls. He did turn himself into Chicago police on Friday night. So Chicago really in the headlines this week. Um, the R. Kelly stuff we had spoken about a few weeks ago. He was charged thanks to those documentaries. And also, I think um, new uh, information popped up as a direct result of that too, which makes sense because, you know, you have somebody that's not only in power in the music industry, but also has been getting away with this for so long, it becomes harder and harder to speak up. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Like I said, he just turned himself in yesterday. So that story is still developing as well. Well, if you live in Chicago and you need a little bit of a pick me up, we do have a quick word from one of our sponsors. I'm listening. The What? I'm listening. I'm in Chicago. I need to pick me up. Okay. Uh, the 2019 FabFitFun Spring Box is on sale now. Treat yourself with items in it, such as Dr. Brandt No More Baggage Eye Depuffing Gel, Mana Kadar Champagne Body Scrub, and Levito Aromatic Body Lotion in Mandarin Orange and Bergamot. FabFitFun is perfect for the beauty maven on the go who loves discovering new products. And if you're stumped on gift ideas, FabFitFun is a great gift for everyone. Surprise your mom or sister with the spring box as a gift or to show thanks. FabFitFun is also an awesome care package for your child going off to college or any new moms in your life. I always love getting my box because I know it's going to be packed full of high-end products that I would never have tried on my own. Andrew and Pam, y'all recently got your boxes. Which products did you like the most? Yeah, the three of us were geeking out about this earlier this week because we were so excited <laughs> yeah. by what came in it. I, I love that scrub. I love the eye masks that I've yeah. received. It is really nice stuff. Also, my uh, I was going to say, I have really long hair and it gets really dry in the winter. So I've been really liking the leaving conditioner by Uwe. Oh, yeah. It's been really nice and it smells amazing. They also included yeah, one of those nice. swell water bottles. It's got like yeah, bees on it. I got it one of those so too. It's so cute for spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got the, um, the Venus Williams jump rope. Yes. That was so cool. Like... I know. I'm actually. It's a really nice jump yeah. rope. <laughs> I almost don't want to use it. Are we all going to start jump roping? <laughs> kind of. Y'all remember jump rope for heart in elementary school? Oh, I might yeah. go back to that. They always look so cool when they came into the assemblies. It's a great workout, though. Jump mm-hmm. roping. It really is. Well, cool. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full-size beauty, fashion, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. And these are full-size products. You won't be getting sample sizes of anything. On top of that, every box is guaranteed to contain products whose value exceeds $200. The spring box's total retail value is actually $354.99, but you're only paying $49.99. And sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use our code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. Go to FabFitFun.com and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. That's over a $200 value for just $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use our code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. FabFitFun box. 
Fantastic. Love them. Last week, when we spoke about the latest 2020 candidates, I was like, oh, nobody's nobody's jumped in. There's enough people. Well, the day after we recorded, Bernie announced that he was running for president of the United States. And Bernie fans were very excited. So much so that they put their money where their mouth is. Bernie raised $6 million in the first 24 hours after announcing his campaign, beating out all the other, other candidates very easily. Pretty shocking. <laughs> we have been critical of Bernie on the show before. So, Laura, I thought it'd be nice. Can we just try? Can you say a couple of positive things about me, Bernie Sanders? Yeah. So, the thing is, you know, I think a lot of folks think that because I think I'm the most critical you are. person against Bernie on the show. Yeah. And I, I think that people assume that that means that I don't agree with him on things. Actually, ideologically and in terms of policy ideas, I agree with him on a lot of things. And I think that he also really energized the Democratic base in you know a lot of new and exciting ways, brought a lot of young people into politics. I think that's all... Great. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue is that he sort of tends to show up places and expect to be accommodated and then doesn't want to do anything to give back to other progressive candidates. Case in point, 2016, it's sort of normal and it, there's a precedent set for this that party front runners pass along some of their money to down-ballot Democrats running for congressional seats in order to try and secure across-the-board victories for other progressive candidates. And that was something that Bernie would not commit to doing in 2016, despite the fact that though he is not a Democrat, the Democrats did allow him that platform. And he was able to build a name for his campaign by using their resources. So to me, that is not indicative of somebody that is willing to play ball with the kinds of people that he would need to be working with in Washington, which is why I feel not so crazy about him as a candidate. Mm -hmm. That said, I am voting Democrat in 2020. (laughs) And if it's Bernie, of course, I'm going to vote for him. Mm And I would be excited about some of the things that he would work to implement. I'm really glad, for example, that on the left, our discussion about college and how we pay for it is ranging between making it more affordable or making it free. I love that that's the discussion that we're having. I don't personally think that free college is something that's going to be as easy to implement as he makes it sound like it would. Um, But I love the fact that those are the two ends of the spectrum and that, at least on our side of things, we'll probably end up somewhere in the middle of those two things. Mm -hmm. So I like that he – in some ways, I like that he has pulled the party more left. I think that's a good thing. I don't want us to forget that after Bernie was not the candidate in 2016, a lot of his supporters decided to – correct me if I'm wrong – but not vote – or vote Trump, because they really didn't want to vote for Hillary. So 
Yeah, I just especially in the in Michigan and Wisconsin, it was like a twelve percent defect rate. It was it was substantial, and this was one of my biggest problems with him as a candidate is that he inspired. I don't I don't know that it was intentional, but a lot of the ideological purity tests that we have on the left now can be directly linked to Bernie's candidacy uh, because his fans sort of hold him up on this pedestal as this messiah candidate who can do no wrong. And really, when you look at his Senate career, um, <laughs> uh, what what he did in the Senate is actually far more moderate, and he compromised a lot. And as a candidate, he's not sort of willing to show that side of himself. And so he takes these hardline stances, and then anybody who doesn't agree with free college or who doesn't think that Medicare for all is something we can implement overnight is automatically labeled too conservative. Mm -hmm. And that was an issue that I had because I, I often found myself asking like, okay, I'm not against free college, but how do we pay for it? And when you really start drilling in on people about that, the the sort of like far leftists tend to hit back by calling you a Republican. I had so many Bernie supporters tell me that I was pretty much a Republican and I might as well just switch party affiliation. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that these Bernie supporters support him through this race, through the primaries. Yeah. But whoever ultimately is running against Trump Please support them as strongly as you are supporting Bernie. If it's Bernie, fine. If it's Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or Cory Booker, support them financially, uh, with your vote, with campaigning, as hard as you do Bernie. Please do not let Bernie split up the party again. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. I mean, the primaries are the right time to yeah. vote your conscience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when we get to the point where there's a clear candidate and a clear front runner, everyone needs to line up. Right. Because that's what they're doing on the other side of the aisle. Democrats fall in love with candidates, but Republicans fall in line. And they could literally put Adolf Hitler on their ticket <laughs> and they would fucking vote for him. If he got so, the nomination, right. Yeah. Yeah, it you know, it's to them what matters is getting Supreme Court justices and getting uh, some momentum going on abortion. So we are recording on Saturday. We'll release this episode on Monday. The Oscars are Sunday, though. And we are going to be recording. Pam, Pat, and I are going to record a post-Oscar segment. And that will be released as a breaking news benefit over at patreon.com slash millennial so if you want to hear our thoughts on the oscars right after they happen we will be releasing them again at patreon.com slash millennial for facebook official patrons and the breaking news benefit is a new benefit we have um we're, we're aiming for at least once a month to record a special edition of the show where we just respond to something that just happened to capture the newness the breaking newsness of it all so uh, check that out at patreon.com slash millennial. Speaking of Patreon, another benefit for Facebook official patrons is we say, hey, what do you want us to talk about this week? 
The first one, first question comes from Natalie. She says, I'm finally getting a dog in a couple of weeks. This is the first dog that I have had since I was a little kid. Any tips for training a new dog slash general advice? Pam, could you field this one to start? Yeah, sure. Um, first and foremost, potty train your dog right away. It'll just make your life so much easier. And if you can, do not resort to pee pads because they get really used to that. Um, it is a little bit time consuming, but definitely find a method that works for you. Uh, so the, what I did with my dog is I kind of took him out regularly as a as a puppy. So maybe like every hour, every two hours. And I used a uh, command phrase. So my command phrase was go to the bathroom and pointed as I opened the door to the outside world. And I would also scratch the side of the door. So now that he's older, he knows that if he wants to go, he just scratches. So he'll just, you know, scratch on something and that tells me that he needs to go outside uh, and it'll just make your life so much easier. Um, and then the other thing too, is just um, even though it's really hard maybe to resist a cute little furry face looking at you, do not feed them from the table because they just won't beg later for your food when you're eating and it'll make your life easier and also make it more pleasant if you have company around. So mm -hmm. those are my big ones. I don't, Natalie didn't um, say whether or not she's doing this, but I would also encourage you to rescue a dog instead mm -hmm. of buying one from uh like one of those mall pet stores or a place where they get them from breeders there are so many dogs out there that need our help and they are they are fantastic dogs i rescued brooklyn it was one of the best decisions of my life another nice benefit of rescuing a dog is that they might already be trained at least potty trained if not more um i never had to do any training with Brooklyn. <laughs> now he only knows sit. <laughs> but you know what? That's fine. He doesn't need That's to know important. other tricks. Yeah. And he was he was uh, potty trained already. And it worked out great. I would say it's never too early to get involved with training if you have that option. Um, you know, I'm definitely going through a training phase with my dog who's six years old to sort of like try and recenter her because she was trained as a puppy, but then we kind of fell out of some of those habits. Um, it's definitely just easier to reinforce those habits when they're younger or when you first get them mm -hmm. rather than like waiting a few years and then <laughs> deciding to train them. So yeah, early is best. SP asks, how is Andrew's sister Becca faring with her student loan repayment plan? I think I had brought this up on After Dark. I, I revealed that my sister uh, confessed to me in a drunken moment that she had decided to participate in a program that would attempt to lower her student loan debt and interest rate by uh, hiring someone who would go to the loan company and uh, they'd be like hey becca has no money can we please renegotiate this and becca would stop paying her loan back in order to uh pull this off so it sounded very risky because it would have uh tanked her credit so i checked in with her sp just for you and it turns out that her husband was very nervous about it and i made her nervous about it so ultimately she did not go through with this Oh, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> yeah, I think she may have dodged a bullet. You know, I said to her last night, you know, it's probably for the best. She's like, you know what? Uh, 
I, I'm still kind of tempted to try it. So she seems convinced that this could actually work. But I'm with you, Laura. I think it was for the best. And I think her husband, Randy, is correct as well that they shouldn't risk it. My sister, by the way, also just announced that they're having another child. It's exciting, but me and my brother were like, wow, this is kind of soon after Trey, isn't it? How many years apart will they be, though? About 17 months. That's kind of nice, though. Not for them, but for the kids. Yeah, to be so close in age to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Special bond. That's probably another reason she didn't want to do this uh, loan trick now, because (laughs) you don't want to get screwed while while having a second child. They bought some sort of gender reveal thing where it was like uh, you pull it and then it explodes confetti in the color of the gender. That's like a cute. confetti cannon? Yeah, exactly. I would, love, cool. I would love to get my hands on one of those before somebody uses it and like change the color to something random just to <laughs> fuck with them. Like green? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> or like black. It's like, what? It's like, congratulations, you're having a Dementor. Right. You're giving birth to the spawn of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, Ning says, if money wasn't an issue, where would you live and what career, if any, would you pursue? I would want to live. So I've lived in L.A., very big city, Chicago. So L.A. is the second biggest city in the country. Chicago is the third biggest city in the country. The next place I live, I want to live in a a city, but a significantly smaller one. I've enjoyed this city life, but ultimately I want to be in a place that is Less busy, cheaper cost of living, even more so than Chicago is compared to LA. Um, I would love to live in the desert. I'm thinking maybe like a a Phoenix or a Palm Springs. Somewhere in the Southwest is ultimately where I want to end up. And career-wise, something online, I suppose, but maybe less work than Hypable is. But always podcasting. I would, I would like to echo podcasting for sure. I'm going to keep that up because that's just a passion project for me. Um, I would love to be a writer, um, but like fiction. Um, So I I would like to write for myself in that regard. And where I would want to live? Maybe Seattle. Love of her life, Mark. Could you see yourself in Seattle? (laughs) Actually, yeah, that was going to be my choice of where to. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Seattle from what I heard is a place that I would like a lot. Uh, we're potentially going there this summer. So I get to finally see, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, my God. But, um, no. Yeah. Like it's, it's really close to, you know, like Silicon Valley in, in terms of like all the, all the game companies that are over there and tech companies. So that'd be good to maybe, I wouldn't say it's e- it'd be easy, but it'd be easier than getting a tech, a major tech job in Atlanta. And uh, in terms of what I would do, if money wasn't an option, I'd definitely just make my own game studio and just work on that in Seattle. And then on the side, I'd probably, like Laura said, like podcast or have some kind of YouTube or Twitch channel where I just show the steps of making a game among other things. But I just, I'd want to show people like, Hey, if you have an idea for a game, like it's not rocket science, like you can do it. Like it's, it's very accessible mm-hmm. to actually do it nowadays with everything that, you know, is out all the resources people have. Yeah. 
when you two go to Seattle, I hope you go to the original Starbucks. Oh, I actually didn't know that's where it was. What? Yeah, that's where they're from. <laughs> Pike Place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. That's why, why they named their coffee Pike Place, because they originated in Pike Place Market. That makes sense. Yeah. How about you, Pam? Where do you want to end up? Um, if I don't have to settle down, then I would either go back to New York or go to London for a bit, because I think that would be fun. And Ooh. I would still be working in entertainment and pop culture. So you like the big city life? If I don't have to settle down, yeah. If I'm if I'm like picking a forever home, then um, it's going to sound really sentimental. But I would just go back to my hometown of Mill Valley because I really like it a lot and it's really pretty. Aw, sweet. Yeah. Well, you can say and that to San Francisco. Yeah, you grew up in California, so I could see why do why you'd want to continue living there. Yeah, it's got everything. Like, there's fog there, which I love. It never gets too hot. There's redwoods and the oceans nearby. I can't be landlocked. <laughs> Come on out to Chicago, the third coast, as they call it. Is there? There's a lake there, right? Oh my god, you're not serious, are you? <laughs> I live on the lake. Do you? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. You yeah, mean when nice. you get the hypable check and you see my address, you 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 haven't punched that into Google Maps to see where I am. I mean, there can be Lakeville streets everywhere, whatever your <laughs> street is. That's true. <laughs> but no, I'm not stalking you. Oh, I do that sometimes. I look at people's addresses. <laughs> Just go on Google Maps and see if I can see you walking Brooklyn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, really so funny. before we get to news, it's time for a word from another one of this week's sponsors on Tucket. And I'm going to start talking about them with this tip. You don't look good in a long, bulky dress shirt when it's untucked. It's just that simple. You might think it looks casual, but it actually ends up looking sloppy. And that's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untuck It makes shirts especially designed to be worn untucked. I love this because I like looking snazzy, looking dressed up, but I don't like tucking my shirt in. I think it looks way too formal no matter what shirt you're tucking in. I like that nice business casual blend because I can look dressed up, but still feel comfortable because I'm sort of dressed down in a way. I'm not the type of person who wants to put their whole lower half on display when you're tucking your shirt in. I don't I don't have the butt for that. I need to cover it up a little bit. Untuck it is a dream for anyone who wants to dress well, but still feel as comfortable as you would be while wearing a t-shirt. As I mentioned the last time I told you about Untuck It, we brought our Untuck It shirts to Vegas and they were perfect for being on the go, still looking dressed up for the glitz and glamour of Vegas, but remain but remaining comfortable with all the walking we were doing. And these aren't just for guys, by the way. No matter your gender, Untuck It has comfortable shirts for you. Go to UntuckIt.com or visit one of Untuck It's 50 stores across the U.S. and Canada, including one in Vegas. Pat and I actually visited their store there right on the Strip when we were out there. It was adorable. Untuck It even offers free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. So try them. If you don't like it, you can return it. But I think you're going to stick with them. You're going to be so cozy, you're not going to want to part with it. Use promo code MILLENNIAL for 20% off your first purchase. If you want the perfect fitting shirt, regardless of your shape and size, try the original Untucked shirt. And remember, use promo code MILLENNIAL for 20% off your first purchase. All right, getting into some news... 
There's a little bit of drama happening in the gaming community because some of the high-profile gaming companies have begun treating their early adopters kind of like guinea pigs by releasing sort of half-baked versions of games and letting the players suss out the game's issues. Mark, what can you tell us about this? What's going on? So the latest uh, game to fall victim to this was uh, Anthem. People were really excited about it. It looked like a you know a fun sci-fi game where you're flying around in Iron Man suits with your friends. It's on an online game. And uh, the closer it got to release, people were playing like, you know, betas of the game and early access and all that. And they were just noticing a lot of things that were missing from the game that should be in. Like, for example, say I'm playing with Andrew and me and Andrew flying around and we see another random person. We can't click on that person or select that person and inspect that person to see like who they are and like what items they have. They're just like a random face in the void. And like they're, they're doing things to fix this now, but it seems like companies are kind of using patches and DLC to make the game complete after the fact, which, you know, kind of sucks for the people who buy the game early and people will wait. If, you know, if you wait like a year, they'll come up with another version of the game that has everything and it's usually a cheaper price. And of course, not all companies are doing this. Like this is one of the big uh, perpetrators for this is EA. And EA notoriously kind of does stuff like this because they have so much money from games like Madden and FIFA that come out every year. And they're just getting, you know, guaranteed revenue from those titles every year. They can afford to kind of release a half-baked game and take a hit and then just release patches for later on, you know. And that's the thing. Like, if a game company like, I don't know, like Naughty Dog, you know, or Santa Monica, the people who made God of War, like, they can't do that because that game that they release, that's the only game they're going to be releasing for, like, four years, you know, so like that game has to be a complete experience. It can't just be like a, yeah, like we, we made this game. It's kind of all right, but we'll, we'll put more patches and DLC down the road to make it more, you know, well-rounded, but you can just play it now and get the initial story. Like all those games, like last of us isn't like that. God of war isn't like that. Like the new Spider-Man game, which was great. That's, that game was amazing. That game was a complete game. And then the DLC just added on that. You didn't need to play the DLC to get the story, you know? It seems like a lot of companies and franchises are kind of skating by on this, like, name brand recognition right now. Like, I mean, we've talked about Fantastic Beasts on the show a little bit, and not to be too much of a throwback, because Andrew and I literally just recorded MuggleCast like an hour ago. Um, But to an extent, maybe a lesser extent, I kind of feel sometimes like, when we get movies like Crimes of Grindelwald, where there's some sort of unsatisfactory storytelling, sometimes it kind of feels like we're just supposed to accept it because we love the Potterverse. And that that's a really frustrating feeling as a fan. Yeah. Because you have invested so much time in in that thing, only to be given something that you're like, ugh. This is sort of not well constructed. Yeah, 
it's like be grateful they're saying like be grateful for what we're getting yeah exactly yeah but exactly shouldn't these studios give you updated versions of the game that end up being more complete well i mean so typically like uh for fallout like uh, i had fallout listed here too like fallout 76 was a big one that people were not satisfied with at all and the the patches are free like they never charge for patches because those are just you know fixing issues or putting things in the game to make the gaming experience better they never have they never charge for that but the dlc like like that'd be like you play spider-man right and you get to like the last level of spider-man or the last the last few missions and it's like to to play these last few missions you know buy the the you know, chapter five DLC when it comes out, you know, and it's like, I just paid 60 bucks for this game. I shouldn't have to pay more to enjoy it, which uh, me and Laura were actually talking about this last night that games are like one of the few things in terms of like media consumption that haven't gone up in price in years. Like, like Pong, like I, like I was doing some research and Pong for the Atari is at, it, when you, when you include inf- inflation is actually more expensive than God of War, but the hmm. cost itself is this like Pong costs like fifty bucks, I think, right? Like the, the cartridge for Pong and God of War is sixty dollars. So you go from having Pong, which was two lines and a ball moving back and forth, <laughs> to you know a crazy amazing suit like almost movie produced god of war game and that game is only ten dollars more and it's been like 20 30 years at this point you know so like i get why companies are pushing out dlc because they have to like make up that cost to 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 keep all these big companies afloat but that's not how you do it like you don't make your you don't make your customer need to buy the dlc because they want a complete experience you make a complete game you're like oh wow this game is really awesome then when the dlc comes out you're like oh i want to play the dlc because i enjoyed the game so much i want more of this feeling and that's fine right like like with nintendo how many nintendo games have you ever played and after you play the game you're like "Uh, i wasn't really satisfied with that like i'm not saying they don't have any they don't have any games that fall into that, but it's few and far between. And that's why people love Nintendo so much. Because when you buy a Nintendo game, you're like, I'm going to enjoy this. And this is going to be a complete experience. I don't have to, you know, wait for new stuff. Like with Smash, it has like 74 characters and they're releasing new characters as DLC. But even if you don't buy any of those characters, you still have 74 characters to play with. Right. Nintendo's you know, been getting more and more into DLCs. They did it with Mario Kart for the Wii U. They mm-hmm. announced one for Captain Toad a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Um, I'm sure there are others I can't think of right now. But I'm glad they're doing that because you're right. I love these games so much. I do want more. If they yeah. added more to Super Mario Odyssey, I would die. Or yeah, and, even more and, to Mario Kart. Yeah, and you want to support them, right? Because like, exactly. if, if, they, if they give you a good experience, you want to give them more money so they can keep yes. on giving you good experiences. And like... And and it and it blows my mind because like as somebody who's studying to be a game designer, like it just blows my mind that I'm like, how can a triple A studio, how can it get through all these hands and on the shelf having these glaring problems? Like like and it's crazy because all the in, independent developers who make like smaller independent games like Shovel Knight, you know, or games that are made by like, you know, 
a, a team of 30 people or something like a very small team those games are always immaculate like they're they you can tell they put a lot of heart into that game and i'm like if there are like hundreds of people working at this triple a studios and they're just kind of like you know passing off a game like oh here you go here's your game and we'll fix whatever's wrong with it later but he give us our 60 bucks like there are plenty of games that have that model of gradually fixing itself until it becomes a you know a larger than life game but those, yeah. those games are usually free like league, league of legends is free but they give you the option to buy more things in the game to improve your gaming experience you can buy more characters you know you can buy more you know costumes you can buy more whatever like there there was a new game that came out like by surprise last week called apex uh, apex legends and it's completely free. So, like, if there's any issues with that game, I'm not going to get too mad because they didn't pay $60 for it. Right. And they can take their time to improve it as they see fit, you know. But, like, looking at, you know, going back to what Laura said about, like, movies. Like, when you see a movie, you paid for that. And movie prices have just gone up and up and up and up. So, like, if somebody really releases a half-ass movie nowadays, you can kind of tell. You can be like, eh, I can really tell you didn't really, you know, spend all the time you could have you know, and I'm not, and I'm not saying there aren't people in the studio working hard because there absolutely are, but like you can, like, like the fans can tell now. Yeah. You know? Well, I brought up this point the other day too. I was like, okay, so one of my favorite games that I got into recently was Detroit and that download was, I think $70 and it included the game and the soundtrack. And the game takes like eight to 10 hours to play through Versus we went out to the movies with my parents like a couple weeks ago and I paid for the tickets and it was like $70 <laughs> for all four of us to see a two hour movie. Yeah. Like, so games really do bring you a lot more enjoyment. You get a lot more bang for your buck. I think about that a lot. I'm like, yeah, this game is $60, but I'm going to be playing this for like, you know, in the case of Zelda, I've played it for literally 250 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo like, Switch uh, tells me that. And like uh, uh, Horizon, same way. Like the game is huge. Horizon Zero Dawn for PlayStation. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that game. Yeah, great yeah, follow game, up to Zelda. Yeah, that game takes forever, and like you yeah. pay, and, and even I think I think you waited a while before you got it. So I don't think it was a I full did. sixty dollars when you got it. Did it was? Oh it? yeah, it's like ten bucks now. Seriously, yeah. on the PlayStation it, exactly. Store. So it's so you're getting something that's less than a movie ticket that's going to last you like potentially a hundred plus hours. Exactly. This is like, like kind of why I've gotten into video games. It's such like an affordable way to relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So to wrap this up, just what should studios do? These video game makers do, should they, should they give free updates that improve the game at the end? Well, once they have it all figured out, that's how I. F- yeah. So they, I think Anthem said, especially since like, anthem has not been getting good publicity at all like their their day one patch was huge and it was like they were picking things that people were blasting them for on like youtube video reviews and whatever so the one thing i'll say about anthem is it does seem like they're listening you know and they i think they said that they're gonna have dlc later on and they i I, I may be remembering this incorrectly, but they, I think they said the DLC was going to be free, which helps, you know, that does help. But I mean, that still doesn't change the fact that if you like, when people ask me, should I play Anthem right now? I say no. And I'm like, just wait a year or a year and a half until they fix all these problems. And by then 
there's going to be, you know, Anthem Complete Edition or Anthem Whatever right. Edition. And it's going to have all of these updates already in there. And it's going to be like 40 bucks instead of 60 So you can either pay $60 to play a unfinished game or $40 to play a finished game with a bunch of stuff that, that, that they're taking directly from user feedback, you know? And again, like at least the people in Anthem are listening. Like at least they're like, Oh, we understand that the community doesn't like this. We're going to fix it as soon as we can. But the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is I'm like, you're a, you're, you're a triple a game studio. Like you should have been doing this from the get go. Well, they're getting greedy. Yeah. All right. So moving on to some other news now. Apple is looking for new revenue sources cuz iPhones aren't selling as uh crazily as they used to. They've really they've hit the saturation point. Everybody's got a phone now, an iPhone, and people are pretty happy with them. They don't really feel the need to upgrade because the iPhones are kind of as great as they can get. So um Apple is looking to create new revenue sources. And they want to make a Netflix for news. But the terms they are offering to the publishers are pretty insane. So what they want to do is they want to have one app, the Apple News app, which we all have on our iPhones installed already. They want to put New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and all the other news sources, maybe your your local news outlets, like in my case, the Chicago Tribune, into one app. And you can get all of them for $9.99 a month. That's a great deal because if you do pay for these separately, these add up quickly. New York Times, you'll be paying at least five bucks, probably more. Same thing with Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. So if you want to, say, read four of these outlets, you'd probably be paying at least $20 a month. Apple wants to put hundreds of them into one app for $9.99. Sounds like a great deal. For the consumer, it is. However, Apple is asking... Apple wants to keep 50% of that $9.99. That's outrageous. <laughs> right. And the remaining 50% will be split amongst publishers based on how much time users are spending on their content. So presumably the biggest sources are going to have uh, the most activity, so they will get the biggest cut. This is insane. And as if that weren't bad enough, Apple, at least for the publishers, Apple does not want to give the publishers data on the readers which newspapers usually like to have to market to you. So um, a report in the Wall Street Journal, funnily enough, came out saying that the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post are not signed on yet because they hate these terms. I guess one of my questions to you guys is, do you pay for any news websites right now? I do. What do you subscribe to? Uh, New York Times, WAPO... And then I've done on and off the AJC. It's but, an Atlanta uh, outlet. New York Times. It, huh? Is that an Atlanta outlet? Yeah, it's the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Okay. Um, I mean, mostly New York Times and Washington Post are my go-tos. Yeah. I pay for the New York Times and then the San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. Mar- Mark, do you just use Laura's passwords? Well, I will now. <laughs> <laughs> I pay for New York Times and Washington Post. Amazon has some sort of deal. I forget what it is that you can subscribe to the Washington Post through Amazon since they own it. I don't like this deal. I would rather give my money directly to the New York Times and the Washington Post because they are going to get more money that way than they would splitting up this $5 per user. 
I also I can't believe Apple is doing this. They have a lot of nerve because publishers are desperate right now to make more money. And this is a kick in the gut because it's not going to cost Apple anything to run this. They plug in the news outlets and they're going to be done. Meanwhile, these news out- outlets, they have to pay these journalists who are putting a lot of great uh, work together. It's an expensive operation to run. And Apple's just eating up all of the revenue. The other thing is, like, would people actually pay for this? Because I don't think many people actually pay for news. You just get it free through Facebook or through the number of um, articles that these websites let you read per month before they force you to see a paywall. Are people going to pay for this? I don't know. The, I guess the thing that bothers me about this is when I first saw nine ninety nine, my immediate thought was, that's way too cheap. Right. Like, I would pay close to, I mean, honestly, if somebody came to me and they were like, I have a service that is an amalgam and an aggregator for like every outlet, that to me is worth at least $30 a month, Mm -hmm. at least, because you're getting hundreds of outlets that you have access to. So this $9.99, it just seems, I don't know seems way too cheap that's the magic number though i think that's what apple thinks uh people will actually pay it's like when movie pass went from like 30 or 40 bucks a month to 9.99 suddenly it exploded in popularity a lot of people see that price point as affordable i will try to defend apple here by saying that apple probably thinks well since every iphone on the planet has the news app you are going to be exposed to millions of potential customers overnight And while you might only be making, let's say, 50 cents per user, you are suddenly going to have 5 million people paying 50, giving you 50 cents per month. So I guess it could add up in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to the Spotify model, right? Like, these artists aren't getting the $15 that they would get if somebody actually went out and bought their album. But if they're getting a lot of activity... Mm -hmm they could still be making a lot of money. So I, I I agree. There's an argument to be made for it, but um, it does kind of seem... I'm a little disappointed in Apple because being that they, they try to be so forward-thinking and progressive themselves, I would think that, um, especially in this climate, not trying to gouge the press right. <laughs> would be a priority for them. I, I would also like to add that I'm assuming as... If this becomes successful as time goes on, Apple is going to use some kind of algorithm to cater the news app to the specific user that's going on here, meaning that if you, say, are more inclined to click on a New York Times piece, the New York Times will probably pop up before other outlets, meaning that the distribution of wealth um, is going to be very skewed. You know, yeah. And if people or like publications are actually kind of you know forced to to go in on this, it's really going to hurt uh, local publications. I think that try and and um, and get in to just keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. I don't know about you two, but I only started paying for the New York Times and the Washington Post after Trump took office because I wanted to support them in reporting on Trump. Just mm-hmm. me. 
I, I'm biased because I, you know, I studied journalism in school. So I, I just have always felt inclined to support papers because, yeah, you know, I, I only began consistently supporting papers after Trump was elected. Before that, I was sort of on and off. Okay. Yeah. Now I appreciate them more than ever because they've mm-hmm. been doing amazing reporting. And I also like, supporting them when trump is sitting here being like the failing new york times the failing washington post when actually shocker trump isn't being truthful there their digital subscriptions have been growing rapidly in the trump era if anything Mm -hmm. he is helping them grow (laughs) well good for them (laughs) totally so apple is supposed to be announcing this in march in addition to a new uh, television streaming service, because they are starting to create their own original shows, we'll see which publishers they have signed on by the time they announce this in March. I think all of them should just say, hey, fuck you. You get maybe a dollar from each subscription and the publishers take 90%. So let's talk about Netflix for a second. I think we talked a little bit about Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which was the choose your own adventure special. And I think a few of us tried it out, right? I know I did. I watched Pat and Ryan play it, my brother. Okay, that kind of counts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't, Laura, or did you? Did you guys, yeah, did you guys do it? Well, no, we didn't because we were supposed to do it with our flaky ass friends. Oh. Yeah. Who never <laughs> came around to do it. Yep. That's pretty funny. Well, you might have dodged a bullet if you're, you know, annoyed over media companies kind of storing your information because it turns out Netflix saved everybody's answers. And I don't think that this should come as too much of a surprise, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, so this is a discovery made by Michael Veal, a technology policy researcher at University College London. And he actually used Europe's general data protection regulation to get Netflix to show him exactly what information it saved while viewers were watching Bandersnatch. And he made a really good point, which is that you know, Europe has this regulation in place, but it's not a regulation that exists in the United States. So because he has, you know, uh, the ability to use this where he lives and also knows the right answers to ask when asking for information like this, he was able to get a direct answer out of Netflix where maybe some people might not have been able to. And he was actually inspired to do this because there was a running joke circulating on Twitter shortly after Bandersnatch was released that Netflix was actually using it as a uh, secret data mining operation. So in their response to Veal, Netflix uh, claimed that they only use the choices individuals make on each episode or on each like portion of the episode to inform which video to show next. But then they also said they track at an aggregated level, the interactions for choices made to help determine how to improve the storytelling model. Uh, So this type of tracking is actually similar to how they uh, track user interactions with specific titles on the uh, platform as a whole. This is how they personalize your profile and suggest things for you to watch. Um, And it also helps Netflix perform a range of business analysis operations, which I'm sure includes, uh, you know, how they, uh, you know, uh, garner information on viewership and and all these crazy numbers that they've been tossing out about how many people have been watching specific titles. Uh, One thing they did not specify to Veal is how long they would be storing the information or how they're storing it. Uh, So some people are theorizing that maybe they're storing it so that they can kind of figure out how to create a follow up to this. Yeah, give the people but what they want in the next one. Exactly. So if you were like super dark and you were like kill everybody, then maybe everybody else felt the same way and they'll they'll have more of that in whatever comes after this. 
but i bet some people are like they're holding on to this data in which i said i want to kill everybody are they going to sh- go share that with the police and say hey keep an so, eye on this guy <laughs> yeah i feel like if you're a super <laughs> paranoid person you're probably thinking oh no what if the fbi reads into the fact that i picked sugar puffs instead of flakies and now they're gonna think i'm a mass murderer <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know that d- there is the fact that um like these DNA companies like Ancestry and 23andMe could potentially be turning over that information to police forces to help solve cold cases. Um, so, you know, if they get that and they find out what your answers in Bandersnatch were, they could find out you're the next Dexter. <laughs> Gotta be careful. Exactly. It's a bit of a slimy way to collect data because you think you're just kind of playing an innocent game. You're sitting down one night with friends answering these questions and yet netflix is quietly watching your decisions and might hold that information for the next 30 years yeah i kind of love it though because it's super meta given the theme of black mirror right you should have expected this also true and i feel like that's how they're gonna get away with explaining this if it ends up being a bigger problem than it is which i don't imagine it becoming yeah um also did did netflix like is the problem that Netflix didn't say or give any kind of like terms of agreement thing saying they were going to keep all the stuff or no. Okay. They didn't give that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't believe so. It's not really an inflated issue, but mm. it is kind of funny that, you know, people started joking about this on Twitter and it turns yeah. out that they, they yeah. were actually kind of aggregating Cause, information. Cause the thing is like with, with, with things like that, I, I assumed that they'd be keeping everybody's stuff. Cause that's what they do in, in games like that. Like in mm-hmm. any kind of choose your own adventure game, like, you know, the walking dead or Detroit or anything where you have a choice, typically whatever game company is, you know, using that they'll keep your choice and use your choices to mold the next story like in a uh, infamous for ps i think that was ps3 uh when infamous so there's infamous one two and three and infamous two to three had a big uh, uh, there was a lot of possibilities of where the story can go at the end of infamous two and so when people heard that they were making infamous three they were like well how are they going to do that because there's like three or four different endings to infamous two mm-hmm. so what PlayStation did was they just looked at the um, the trophy data for what people chose, and they went with the choice that the most people choice chose to be the canon choice. So when Infamous Three happened, it was going off of that choice that they saw the the majority picked. So I mean, I always just assumed that companies that had a game like that would just keep that data. So when they're making a sequel, they can use the data they got from the viewers to or players to you know make a more you know robust second game because even then like you know what your players like and you know what characters your player like too so like they saw that in infamous 2 the players really liked this certain character so they really got more of a they really got into the limelight more in the third game you know so and that's actually a really good point, because from a, a television perspective, even you can kind of uh, overall see how many people are watching your thing. But that does not necessarily uh, correlate to what part of the episode people liked the most. So 
um, you know, having something like this and then creating another title off of that is kind of a bit of a game changer when you put it into that perspective. And Netflix also probably looks at when you might stop watching a TV series. And if there's a big trend where people stop watching after a certain episode, they can glean from that. Okay, people did not like when this happened in Grace and Frankie. We need to not let that happen again. And by the way, getting back to does Netflix warn you that they're collecting this data? I assume that in their terms of service, which we all hit agree to but never read, they say broadly that we might collect data based on your usage. So the the information they're collecting from Choose Your Own Adventure shows is the same data that they're collecting when you just pick content to watch within the Netflix app. So it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm in terms of data collection. Before we move on to surprise, bitch, we just wanted to hear a quick word from our third sponsor this week. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Millennial a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. You can sign up at millennial.robinhood.com. That's millennial.robinhood.com. It's time now for Surprise! Surprise, Surprise, bitch! Hello? Cassandra, surprise, bitch! It's Millennial! Oh my god, hi. <laughs> hi. 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 What's going on? How, How are, are you? you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Doing good. Good, good, good. What are you up to <laughs> on this delightful Saturday morning? I'm um, doing some grad school work. Nothing exciting. Gonna go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. What are you pursuing your graduate degree in? In music education. Aww. Oh, I'm very a, cool. But I'm currently a music teacher, but I have to get the master's for, you know, to continue my certification. Sure. Where do you live and what is something interesting about where you live? I live in New York in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Um, something interesting. I think everybody has a lot of misconceptions about the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> like we think um, it sucks, but it doesn't. Really... Yeah, I think it's a great place to live. Um, I love it here but a lot of people have negative things to say about it. Do you like the subway system there? <laughs> um, it has its ups and downs. I don't use it all that much because I have a car, which I'm lucky, but yeah. <laughs> Are you vaccinated? I am vaccinated. I wasn't expecting to get that question. That's really throwing it back, Andrew. We're bringing it back. Yeah. I actually hung okay. out with one of our listeners earlier this week, this week, Austin, and she said, you know, you got to start asking if they're vaccinated again. I said, that's a great point. She was like, I love the throwbacks. It is an important question. Yeah. All right. So we can keep talking to you now. Um, switch, <laughs> us, switch us to speakerphone. Look at your messages. And I want to ask you a question that went viral on Twitter this week. You're look being, at my messages? Yeah. Look at your texting app. Now, listen to this. You're being murdered. 
You look the killer in the eye, and your last words are the last text you sent. How are you doing on your end? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The killer is not well. How about you guys on the panel? What is What are the last words as the killer looks you in the eye? Ooh. Mine are, hi, was the time decided? <laughs> Mine is, uh, we're going to need more wine for that. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is no question mark, exclamation mark. (laughs) That's appropriate. Yeah. Mine is he wants to bang. Oh, hello. Do you have any questions for us? Ooh, when do you guys get a tour? Do a millennial tour? Oh, like a road trip? I would love to. That would be fun. Yeah. It's expensive, though. I know. Such a bummer. <laughs> Gone are the days when we could just rent a car and drive around the country talking about Twilight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably not do a road trip now where we do live podcasts every night because my anxiety would just be through the roof. We used to just show up at these borders, having never been there before, and pulled off a live podcast with their own equipment. Now... I would be stressing about each location. Like, oh my God, are they going to have a mixer? Are they going to have enough mics? Are they going to have a good setting? Are they going to have like a good event space? It would stress me out too much. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, Andrew, but when we did the imprint stop here in Atlanta, uh, my mom and my brother came to watch and my brother was like 16 at the time and decided he was just going to be a real jackass. And so he went... Like it was a borders and he went to like the kids section and found a stuffed animal dog and like walked through the people like the crowd of people watching the podcast and was telling our listeners like this is my dog Jacob. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. And at the time, I dealt with it a lot better than I think I would deal with it now. <laughs> Maybe we take ourselves too seriously now. <laughs> Cassandra, um, who are you rooting for in the 2020 race? Anyone standing out yet? I have been really enjoying the things I'm hearing from Kamala Harris so far. Yes, me too. But and um, it's it's just a little overwhelming at the moment, though, like trying to keep up with all the, the people who keep entering the race. Yeah. Uh, and I also do like Kristen Gillibrand because she is my senator. She's done a lot of great things here in New York. So, What is your favorite yeah. song right now? My favorite song. Um, I'm really into musical theater, so it's kind of like all I listen to. Um, <laughs> um, I've been loving the soundtrack for Heather's The Musical, which I know is not a song, but yeah, that's what I've been listening to. Well, if you had to pick one track from that, what would it be? Um, the opening. It's called Beautiful. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. play a little bit of that at the end of today's show. Though I see... Oh. Great. Somebody in the live chat is saying, Andrew, please sing Love of My Life to end the show. Because <laughs> after I was singing that when nobody was answering our surprise bitch calls before you picked up. <laughs> All right, Cassandra. Well, thank you for your support. Good luck with grad school. Good luck with the subways when you do use them. Well, it's good talking to you guys. You as well. Okay. Have a good one. You too. Bye. 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 To wrap up the show, time for recommendations. Pam, what's yours? Uh, mine, uh, sticking with the Netflix theme, is The Umbrella Academy, which just came out, I think, about a week ago now. Um, really good if you're into comic book adaptations. Uh, basically, it's about these uh, seven kids that are adopted by a billionaire and trained to become 
superheroes and then things kind of go on the wayside as they grow up and they're kind of all washed up, but they come back together after their billionaire estranged father has secretly uh, been, well, he's secretly died and they don't really know why he died. So they're kind of trying to figure out what's going down and uh, coming back together for the first time in years. It's really good. I'm not selling it, but it's great. And the production value is amazing. I recommend paying with cash when committing a crime. I feel like that's a really smart move if you are doing something that could get you in serious trouble. So get rid of that paper trail and pay with cash. Don't be an amateur. Right. Jussie. Um, my recommendation is the crimes of Grindelwald, uh, featurettes and deleted scenes. Um, we just got done talking about this on MuggleCast, but the point that I brought up there is that I felt like I got so much additional context from, especially the featurettes. Yeah. That made me appreciate the intention behind the movie a little more. I still have a lot of questions. Um, so yeah, I think I would call this like the context of Grindelwald featurettes. (laughs) (laughs) Show title right there. The context of Grindelwald. Um, I'm going to recommend, uh, Resident Evil 2, the new, uh, game that came out, came out a couple weeks ago, I think, but I've been watching people play it and it is terrifying. Like it is, it's. There's so many like game design elements they do in there to really just fuck with you. Like they'll they'll put a bunch of zombies on one side of the hall and you're like, oh, well, there's a bunch of zombies, so I'm not going to go over there. And you'll like walk a different way and you'll like fall through the floor because you went that way and you're in a basement full of zombies. You know, like they they really mess with the choices you make in real time to like make it so like you're afraid and you're like off kilter the entire time. Get a get in a nice dark room, get some friends, maybe some ice cream for some comfort food and dive right in. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We would love your support over at patreon.com slash millennial. You'll get benefits like breaking news. Stay tuned, Facebook official patrons, for our analysis of the Oscars. You'll also have access as a patron to Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad-free combined with After Dark for nearly two hours of Millennial. I have a feeling this one will be uh, flirting around the two-hour mark. You'll also receive Hashing It Out, which is our pre-show recording. We also have uh, another new benefit called Face to Face, where we do a monthly hangout on camera. You're welcome to join us, and we'll just sit around, shoot the shit for a little while. It's a fun time. And of course, we have the Discord, where people can chat live. And there are other benefits as well. Check it out, patreon.com slash millennial. We really appreciate your support. Speaking of After Dark, what are we talking about today, Laura? We are going to be diving into a religious typology quiz that was put out by Pew Research Center, in which it places you somewhere along the spectrum, anywhere from being a Sunday stalwart, all the way to being solidly secular. And we all took the quiz and we got some different results. We're going to talk about where we fit in with this data, and if it's totally accurate for us. The results so going to be good stuff. Crack me up the titles of these, and this is from Pew. Like, good job, Pew. I know. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. 
I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. I'm Mark. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye. This one goes out to Cassandra. We were so tiny, happy and shiny, playing tag and getting chased. Break, slut, loser, short bus. Singing and clapping, laughing and napping, baking cookies, eating paste. Bold eye, stuck up, hunchback. Then we got bigger, that was the trigger, like the Huns invading Rome. Oh, sorry. Welcome to my school. This ain't no high school. This is the Thunderdome. Hold your breath and count the days we're grounded.